0: Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. The title of my message this morning is the greatest gift exchange ever. The greatest gift exchange ever. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through
1: 30
0: oh, yes. says, come unto me, all oh, yes. you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What Jesus is saying in this verse is if you're broken, if you're hurting, if you're bogged down with the cares of life and you just don't want to bear this burden anymore, what Jesus is saying is give it to me and I'm going to take care of it. The greatest gift exchange ever was when Jesus said, give me your problems and I will give you my spirit. Yes. yes. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, again for bringing us together this morning. God, I'm asking right now that you help our hearts and our minds just to stay focused for this short period of time. God, as we dig into your word, that we could stay focused and that we could learn more of you. God, that something that is said this morning, God, something that comes from your word would change each and every life that is in this place. God, that this morning could be a life-changing moment for everybody here. God, and it's not going to be through my word, but it will be through your word. And I will give you all glory and all honor. That is due to you in Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. Amen. I thank God for His Word, for the Bible, the Scriptures. Thirty-two different hands were involved in compiling these scriptures, all under the inspiration of God. Thirty-two different hands were involved in writing these scriptures over a 1,500-year period, and it's got no contradictions. It is all in harmony with itself, and it has stood the test of time. The earliest known text from the Bible date back to about 500 A.D. So for 1,500 years, we've had the Bible, and it has withstood the test of time for being the plan to living the best life. Who is God? Seems like kind of a remedial question. We all know who God is. But I want to take a look at God's love for us today. When you go all the way back to the beginning, you see Adam and Eve in the garden. God designs the earth, puts the universe into motion, and he designs this nice little garden all the fruits and vegetables that you could desire. And he places man in the garden. Have at it. Eat whatever you want. Just don't touch the one tree. And I can just see Adam just walking through the garden, thinking about whatever he's thinking about. And he just picks himself a nice red apple, and he eats it. You know, not like apples?
1: I do like apples, but... Apple from the tree. You don't
0: eat an apple from the tree in no. no. I don't eat it from the tree. I pick it first, then I eat it.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> or or a pear. You get a pear off that tree. All of the fruit that you could desire. Or the vegetables. I don't desire the vegetables as much as the fruit. But
1: <laughs>
0: anything they wanted to eat was at their fingertips. And then Eve gets tricked by the serpent. And she eats of the, she does the one thing. the one job in that garden. Don't eat of the fruit. Don't eat of the forbidden fruit. And Eve eats of that forbidden fruit. And God comes to the garden. And he helps them. He comes to the garden. And he wants relationship with them. God knew what they did. But he still wanted that relationship with them after man had offended them. God's love for us is not tied to us serving him. God loves us despite what we do. You look at the story of Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel had a little bit of a sibling rivalry going on. Abel brings an animal sacrifice to God, Cain brings fruits and vegetables. And the Bible tells us that God wasn't pleased with Cain's sacrifice. Well, if I had to choose between steak and vegetables, I don't know how pleased I'd be either. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just being real. But that's beside the point. God had asked for an animal sacrifice. Cain brought what he had to offer. He brought what was convenient for him. But that's not what God wanted. But you don't see God avenging Cain for what he did. But Cain didn't have the love of God shining down on him. He wasn't in good relationship with God because he wasn't doing what God wanted him to do. And Cain goes so far as to hate his brother who was loved by God.
1: Right.
0: Rather than Cain moving his own feet and aligning himself with God, he killed his brother. And if you killed, if he kills Abel, you would think that God would then be mad because Abel was the only one bringing the sacrifice God wanted. But we again see God reach down to Cain and say, and tell Cain, if anybody lays a hand on you after what you just did, my vengeance will be on them sevenfold.
1: Look at God.
0: God was protecting Cain. After Cain all but spit in the face of God, Yes, God said, I still love you. Yes, man reaches the pinnacle of destruction, of, of, of degeneracy in the story of Noah. And God has to reboot, start fresh again, wiped it all out, turned it off and back on again. And yeah, he only saved eight souls. But the Bible says he, he repented that he had made man. He, he kind of regretted that decision. And yet he still had enough love for man not to kill all of them. He saved Noah out to reboot, to restart the world. You look at the story of Lot, another example of extreme degeneracy, the sin that was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. And God pulls Lot out of the situation before he rained fire and brimstone down on Sodom and Gomorrah. God has been faithful to his people all through the years. The children of Israel in the wilderness, they just get delivered out of Egypt. No sooner they're out of Egypt, they're asking Moses, well, you know, why are we in the wilderness? We had food in Egypt at least, we weren't hungry. Which is a whole other message. <laughs> But the children of Israel, they're they're now in in the wilderness. And they ask Aaron, well, who brought us out of Egypt for real? And Aaron says, well, it was this golden calf. And they start worshiping this idol. They start giving glory and credit to a man-made object rather than the God who worked the miracle. And again, God was faithful to them. You see the story of Gideon. Gideon is hiding out in his wine press because he knows that he's surrounded by the Midianites and, and he doesn't want to go fight them. And God says, we're going to deliver you out of the hands of the Midianites. Yeah. And Gideon still wasn't quite sure, but he pulls his army together and he says, okay, me and this army, which is too small, we're going to fight it by the grace of God. And God tells Gideon, no, your army's too big. So Gideon pairs his army down. And then God pairs Gideon's army down again. And God pairs Gideon's army down again. It comes to the point where Gideon has a realization that the only way they're going to win this war is through the power of God. That's right. Sometimes bad things happen to good people because it proves or because the end result, you take it the one step further, the resolution is by only by the power of God.
1: That's right. Amen.
0: I was in a situation at work last week, and I would made plans with people after work, and I was trying to get off work to go see my friends, and I was trying to get off work, <laughs> and everything that could go wrong in the day went wrong. And I finally reached a point. Finally reached a point in my day where I I just the thought just crossed my mind, have we reached a point where if you get off in time, it will only be by the hand of God? Is yeah, okay. I've reached a point where everything that's gone wrong can go wrong. The only way that's gonna resolve is by the power of God. And within an hour, my entire work day just just smooth it out. God is faithful to us. God takes care of us through all kinds of situations. Thank you. you get into the, the various kings of the <coughs> Old Testament, and you see this cycle where the children of Israel, they start living in idolatry, and when you turn your back on God, life gets hard. Yes, it does. When you turn your back on God, you start making your own problems for yourself. You start making your own mud. Yes. And many times, when we're sitting in that mud, we're saying, God, why'd you let me get here? And God's going, I told you not to go there. I, I, almost, see it, I almost see it like, like, like a little kid. Mama says, you don't touch that. It's hot. Don't touch that. It's hot. And then he burns himself. And then he goes, Mom, why didn't you tell me? God's been around a lot longer than I have, and I have to submit my will to His. I have to submit my plans. I have to submit my goals to His perfect plan. Because, as it says in Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you plans to prosper you. God wants us to flourish, God doesn't want us to hurt. We are His children. He wants us to be prosperous. He wants us to have fulfilled lives. But the things that we chase, our fleshly desires, do not bring fulfillment. And we've got a whole book of rules that tell us things not to do. But it's really a book of freedoms. Because when you can align yourself to God's plan, you have so much freedom in life. Amen. Amen. There was stands I took as a teenager. As a teenager, I had friends in my life that were trying to influence me. They would make fun of me for the movies that I refused to watch. The beverages I wouldn't drink. They would mock me. And and getting on this (coughs) side of it, out of that friend group, I'm the only one that hasn't spent time in jail.
1: Wow. Glory to God.
0: I'm the only one that's not addicted to drugs. And and they look at me like I'm the crazy one. When you don't align yourself with God, life gets difficult. And when life gets difficult, it reminds us that we need God. And you look at the kings in the Old Testament, and you see this cycle where they end up in their mud puddle, they cry out to God, they get their life figured out, they become a prosperous people. They become prosperous. Forget that they need God in their life. Every two to three generations you see this cycle. They end up back, backslidden. Life gets difficult. They repent. Life gets good. They don't need God because life's good. They end up in a mess. And you go through this whole cycle through the Old Testament of man turning their back on God, coming to God, turning their back on God, coming to God, turning their back on God, coming God, back on God and coming to God. But through all of it, God stayed faithful to his people. God is faithful to us no matter what we do. When Jesus comes to earth, in John 12, 47, he says, And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. Jesus didn't come to earth to create havoc. Yeah, while he was here, he flipped tables. While he was here, he offended a lot of people. But his purpose was not to create havoc. His purpose was not to judge people. His purpose wasn't to condemn people. His purpose was to save people. Amen. His purpose was to pull people out of the messes they got themselves into to live a different life.
1: Yes, Thank thank you, Jesus.
0: Jesus, nailed to a cross, he's got the soldiers at his feet, parting out his raiments, trying to decide who gets the last of his easy belongings, and Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Mm. The love that Jesus has for his people, the love that God has for his people, extends To the point that as they literally are nailing him to the cross, he says, I forgive you. As they crucify him, he says, I forgive you. God just wants a relationship with his people. All God's asking for you, from you, is a relationship. In Matthew 11, 20 through 30, like we read, he says, Come unto me, all ye that are laboring or heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest unto your soul, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. God's telling to his people, are you hurting? Then come talk to me. Come read my word. Are you in a bad life situation? Come read my word. Apply it to your life. The the tagline for the church here is redeem, rebuild, relive. And and my thought behind that was you've got to find your redemption in Jesus Christ. You've got to understand where the power is coming from. And you get the redemption in Jesus Christ, then you rebuild a new life. And rebuilding is hard work. (laughs) Rebuilding means tearing things down and building things up. But as you go through that rebuilding process and you rebuild and you build a new life, then the last thing, it's redeem, rebuild, relive, you get to relive or live differently. That's the goal. We don't have to live in this mess. But ironically, the last thing that anybody wants to give God is their heart. The last thing anybody wants to give God is their most intimate part of themselves. They won't share that part with God. People people try to give them my time. Okay, God, I'm gonna do my duty. I'm gonna show up to church once a week and pay my penance. And yet they don't build the relationship. Some people read the Bible out of obligation. Well, okay, this is my Christian duty. I'm going to read my Bible. But they don't really internalize what God is trying to speak to them. They'll get down and say their prayers every night because that's their religious duty. It's not about a religious duty. It's about a relationship. That's
1: right.
0: Nobody has ever told me, James, you need to call your girlfriend and talk to her. But every single day I talk to her. All
1: right.
0: What God wants with us is a relationship. He wants that intimacy. He wants us to share what's going on in our life. And he wants us to hear what he's trying to tell us from his word. Cain brought what was convenient. Cain was bringing convenience to God. He had fruits and vegetables in his garden. He was a farmer. That's what he did. But God asked for an animal sacrifice. You can bring anything you want to God, but you've got to bring him what he asked for. He's not going to accept an offering, anything short of what he's asked for.
1: Amen. Yeah.
0: And, and what God has asked for through that relationship, we see in Leviticus 11, <clears throat> Leviticus 11:45 says, For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am. Am holy. The word holy can simply be summarized as separation. We have a God that is separate from the world. Right. Just think about that. Our God is separate from the problems of this world. Sister Angie, in a prayer request this morning, she listed some things that are frustrating her in this world. God is separate from the things of this world, and God is calling us to be separate from the things of this world. We don't have to partake in these worldly things. Amen. Because they don't help us. I have an object lesson. from. My, I talked about holiness a couple months ago. I got some mulch from my rock garden. It's not a rock garden. It's a flower bed. And I put some Doritos in it. I like Doritos. Who likes Doritos? <laughs> I like Doritos. But I don't like my Doritos in my mulch. but how many times do we bring that to God? God, I'm gonna come to you, but I'm also gonna bring the movies I wanna watch. God, I'm gonna come to you, but I'm also gonna bring the conversation I like to have. God, I'm gonna come to you, but I'm also gonna bring the relationship that I'm in. God, I'm gonna come to you, but I'm not gonna let go of my worldly desires. Mm. And it's hard, church. It's hard to let go of things. I had a Bible study with a young man this week that, that um, he's battling some addiction. And, and I asked him I said, as, as I was leaving, I said, do you want me to take the rest of your weed with me? <laughs> I said, I'll get it out of here for you. You don't even have to deal with it anymore. And he, he said, no, no, I'm not ready to do that yet. It's real. The battles are real. But God will help us through them. Amen. <clears throat> we have to love God because of who He is, not just because of what He does for us.
1: That's right.
0: My God set this world in motion. He set this universe into motion. I heard somebody say once, Actually, it was one of my coworkers, he said, there's too much organization in this universe for it all to happen by chance.
1: Right. Say that again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's too much order in this universe for it to happen by chance.
1: Sorry. Right.
0: I've I've made the joke before that if that if I grab my phone and I said, Well, over in over in South Korea. There was an explosion at the Samsung factory. And they're sorting through the rubble. This is what they found. People look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> but that is literally, that is literally the theory of evolution. Is that, is that there was this prebiotic soup. And that the, the, the organisms, the amino acids, not the amino acids, the, the um, molecules... Just the right molecules bonded in just the right ways just the right circumstances and created the first single-cell organism, and the rest is history. That is the theory of evolution. But to form an organism is more complex than my cell phone. Second Peter 1.4 says, Whereby are we given us an exceeding and great and precious promise, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through desire. I want to be holy so I don't have to be mingled with the things of this world. I don't want to have what the world has. Dave Ramsey, the finance guy, says, I don't want to be normal because normal's broke. <laughs> if you do what everybody else is doing, you're going to get the same result that everybody else gets. And the same result that everybody else gets is divorce, heartache, broken homes, broken families, addiction, bondage of one nature or another. If you do what the people in the world are doing, you're going to get what the people in the world get. Amen. But if you do what the Bible tells you to do, and you do what the people in the church do then you get what the people in the church get. Yeah. It's your choice. It's your choice. It's the greatest gift exchange ever. You give God your relationship. You give God your life. You give God your attention. And you receive his words of wisdom back from him. And it will revolutionize your life. Guaranteed.
1: Guaranteed.
0: So how do we become Holy. It starts with a want-to. You have to have the want-to. You have to be willing to lay down the things of this world. You have to understand that you don't want to do that anymore. But then staying holy. It's a little more complicated. I wish there was a magic formula. Oh. Second Peter 1 four it says whereby are giving unto given whereby are giving unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lusts. You can escape the corruption of the world that is brought into the world through lust, through desire, through this plan that Peter lays out. In 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8, and I'm gonna go through these verse by verse, part by part. It says, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. You have to start with faith. Faith is the foundation that everything's built on. If you don't have faith in this book, then you're gonna pick and choose the parts you like and the parts you don't like. You've gotta pick where your faith is. Is your faith in yourself? Is your faith in our government? Is your faith in our president? Is our faith in your mommy? Is your faith in God? Who is the ultimate authority in your life? You have to be in submission as to some ultimate authority. And we live in a world that has taught us that you are in charge of your own life. You are the ultimate authority. And people read the Bible with that mentality. Awesome. And and when they read the Bible, they go, well, I don't agree with that part, so I'm going to throw that part out. But I do agree with this part, so I'm going to accept that part. Well, then you're putting yourself as the authority. Right. (laughs) But if you make the Scripture the authority in your life, it will revolutionize your life. If you put your faith in the Scripture, it will revolutionize your life. If every problem you have, you go back to the book and you say, okay, God, what did you say about this? Okay, God, what words of wisdom do you offer me about this? If every time you've got a problem, you get down on your knees and you pray, and you say, okay, God, how do you want to handle this? And the first thing he's probably going to tell you is, shut up and let me handle it. (laughs) And that's a battle in itself. Sometimes you just want to go throw hands. That's not God's method. God's method is for you to sit down and let him handle it. Faith is the foundation that everything else gets built on. When we have a win in life, do we go, thank you, God, or do we go, wow, I did it? If God is almighty and all-powerful, then every time we have a win in life, we should recognize that it is by God's power. Amen, But on the other side, 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. And that that word care um, is very similar to the word anxiety. So God is telling us to cast our anxieties, the things that give us anxiety on him. When you have anxiety, tell God what the problem is. And ask yourself, is there anything I can do about the situation? Typically, the reason we have anxiety is because it's beyond our control. And when it's beyond our control, we have to trust God's process. And when you trust God's process, I can guarantee you that in the short term, it doesn't go the way you want it to go. God doesn't do things the way I do them or the way I want to do them. And thank God for that. (laughs) We're all human. We all do this. We all take things. We all, we all tell God, okay God, I give you my whole life and then you give it an hour and you're like, okay, except for that part.
1: Except for that part. <laughs> except for that part.
0: Okay, that's human. But we have to take that step back. We have to put our faith in God. We have to put our trust in God. Say God, the creator, the great I am. The word I am literally translates the self-existent one. Right. God said, I am the self-existent one. In all the movies that DC and Marvel and Disney have made, they've never come up with a superhero that created themselves because it is so mind-blowing. But we have a God that said, I am that I am. I am the self-existent one. I created myself. Yes. The God, the creator of the entire universe knows you by name and cares about you and wants to prosper you, wants what's best for you. And to receive what's best for you, you have to align yourself with him. If you don't align yourself with him, it's not going to work out. But God also expects us to do our part. We let God do his part, but we also have to do our part. If you climb over a fence into a bear cage to get some honey, the merciful God will help you find an escape, but you're going to have to leave the honeycomb behind. I don't know where I found that, but it's in my notes. And you might have to accept that you're not going to get in the last punch. Is your faith in God is your faith in yourself? Have you really yielded your faith to God? Mark 9:23 through24 Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe all things are possible to him that believeth and straightway the father the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Sometimes it's hard to trust God. And he's got an answer for that too. If you're having trouble trusting him, ask him to help your unbelief. Ask him to help build that trust. But don't, don't do this when you're asking God <laughs> for help. Lord, just speak to me. God, just speak to me. Tell me what to do. Just open the book and start reading. Start reading somewhere. You'll find something. You flip the Bible open to any page and start reading, I can almost guarantee you're going to read something that applies to your life.
1: never fails. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Have you put your faith squarely in God? You should. Second Peter f- 1, 5 through 8, because we're going through this, is how to live a fall-proof life. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. The word virtue or purity or integrity is holiness. When we build on top of our faith, we have to add holiness. That is the first step, is to add holiness and integrity to our faith. So you start with faith, you add to your faith virtue, or holiness, but it's also that integrity. Integrity is what we do when nobody's watching.
1: That's right.
0: In, in my simple humanity, I'm embarrassed to admit it, but I'm gonna tell you guys, because we're all human. The amount of times that I've been scrolling through YouTube shorts, Facebook reels, I don't have TikTok, but I see a lot of TikToks because they're on Facebook now. And thought to myself, ooh, I should turn this down. I don't want people to know I watch this. Well, then maybe I shouldn't be watching that reel. (laughs) Watching Facebook reels is like playing Russian relay. My mom used to say, she said, if every time you saw a swear word on Facebook, or she said, if every time you saw a swear word on Facebook, if it was a loaded gun, would you scroll differently? So we start with faith, we add holiness even when no one's looking, and we add knowledge, add to our virtue knowledge. Keep studying, keep building. As we're going through these elements, faith, virtue, knowledge, we're building a wall, we're building a hedge of protection to keep us from the things of the world. We are trying to establish holiness in our life because we don't want to do what the people in the world are doing. When you step outside of God's perfect plan, life becomes unnecessarily complicated. And I don't want a complicated life. So we have to keep studying. Faith, integrity, knowledge. Keep studying and to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience. So temperance is self-control. You've got to establish self-control in your life.
1: Mm.
0: Temperance is self-control, patience is waiting. There are very similar words, but there's a distinction. Self-control is waiting when you have an option to move forward. Patience is waiting or is accepting that you can't. Self-control is not taking something you have access to. Patience is keeping yourself in check when you're waiting for something to come to you.
1: Right.
0: When it comes to practicing self-control, I encourage people, fasting, first of all, is where it starts. But if you're gonna fast, you have to fast for a period of time. You have to succeed with your fast. Don't go on a 72-hour fast, make it 24 hours and give up. Fast a meal. And unfailingly, if you fast a meal, that meal is going to be when they serve steak.
1: Every time.
0: It just kind of works out that way. (laughs) The other thing that I did when I decided to to practice self-control in my life is every morning I would wake up and I would pick something that I was skipping that day. Facebook. We're not doing any Facebook today. Not eating green beans today. That was was an easy day. (laughs) No no bakery goods today. Just pick something. Today, I am taking a stand that I'm not allowing this into my life just for the fun of it. Because it builds a muscle in your life. It builds, it strengthens your ability to say no. The day that I decided that I wasn't going to be doing bakery goods was the day that they brought donuts to work. And it wasn't the cheap donuts, it was the good donuts. (coughs) Patience is waiting for brownies to come out of the oven. Self-control is not eating them all in one sitting. Self-control, self-discipline, it's all a mind over matter. You're controlling your actions and not letting your actions control, or not letting your will control your actions. It's you controlling your actions. You premeditating, this is what I'm going to do. Not just giving in to what your will says it wants to do. Patience is listening to someone stupid. Self-control is not punching them. (laughs) We start with faith. We add holiness even when no one's looking. Then we add more studying to better understand who God is. We exercise self-control and discipline over the things we can control and patience over the things we can't. Into godliness add brotherly kindness. Into brotherly kindness, charity. The Pharisees asked Jesus, which commandments the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, Love God with your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like unto it, Love thy neighbor as thyself. All of the law and the prophets are summarized. The entire Bible is summarized into loving God and loving people. You can summarize everything in the Bible to loving God and loving people. The last two elements is everything that you do should be out of love for God in love for people start with faith you've got to put your faith in god add to your faith virtue which is integrity holiness even when no one is looking add more studying better understand who god is exercise self-control over the things you can control and patience of the things you can't in love people amen for if these things be in you and abound they make that ye shall neither be barren nor fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you're struggling to live a holy life, what we just looked at in Second uh, Peter five, or sorry, Second Peter one five through eight, is the recipe, is the plan for living a life that keeps you out of trouble. Let's all stand. <coughs> What culture are you going to be a part of? Are you going to be a part of the culture of the world? Or are you going to be a part of God, God's culture? Second Peter one nine through eleven. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and has forgotten that which he purged, that he was purged from his old sins. When you don't do these things, you forget you were purged from your old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things. He shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We have to take a stand for the things that we believe in. It's the greatest gift exchange ever. If you will give God your life, he will prosper you. If you will lay down doing things my way, and let God do things His way, you will have a fulfilled life. You may not be a millionaire, you may not have a house on the lake and a boat, but you will have fulfillment in your life. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing us together this morning. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that your word can continue guiding my steps. And God, I'm asking of you this morning that you help me to have the humility to respond to your word. That you help me to have the trust, the faith to believe in you, that you're going to take care of it all. God, help me in my unbelief. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, Jesus let's just find a place to pray church just talk to God this morning tell him how you really feel I don't care what's going on in your life but God, I mean I do care but God cares you lay it down out there for him he has the answer you might not like the answer but you submit to his answer he's going to take care of it Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus.
1: Oh, Jesus.
0: in each and every one of our lives. Have your hand upon every decision I make, Lord. Lord, I'm asking that your spirit would guide my steps. Lord, that my conscience would not be seared, God, but that I would would listen to it, God, that I would listen to your word. Help your word maintain that central place in my life. Name. Lord, go with us through the remainder of our week, through the remainder of our day. In Jesus' name. Amen.